Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia as we venture into our sub-series, Talking TV Trivia. Whenever there's a TV show that catches our attention, this podcast picks a season and explores each episode through trivia. I'm today's host, KJ, and with me is... Tom... Nick! And this is Chris. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with four rapid-fire trivia questions. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that increases by one point. Then, follow it up with a theme discussion associated with the TV episode, in this case involving season one of Disney's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Chris, tell us about today's episode. Today, we'll be discussing episode one of Obi-Wan Kenobi. This episode was directed by Deborah Chow and written by Stuart Beatty and Hossein Amini. There will be spoilers for Obi-Wan Kenobi up through episode one only, so feel free to press pause until you are caught up. In this episode of Obi-Wan, we start with a jarring scene during the scouring of the Jedi Temple, which we previously saw in the third movie, Revenge of the Sith. Ten years later, we also follow a young princess, Leia Organa, with her adopted parents on Alderaan, and we follow old Ben Kenobi on Tatooine, where he is working as a meatpacker and watching over Luke. We are introduced to the Grand Inquisitor, whose task it is to hunt down and kill the remaining Jedi. By the end of the episode, Obi-Wan is headed off planet to find Leia, and the Inquisitors are hot on his trail. It's time for question one. What is Owen Lars looking for the first time we see him? Who? (laughs) Locked in. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's... (sighs) No idea. I'm going to lock in, but I'm not really sure. Uh, I, I, uh, I, God, I have no, I, I, I'm not even sure who that is. Um, uh, lock in. <laughs> All right, Nick, what do you have? I'm going to go with a call back and I'm hoping it's a power converter. Ooh, I like that. Tom, what's your guess? He's looking for some seeds for his farm. Is moisture farm? <laughs> and Chris, is that what he? <laughs> He's a moisture farmer. He he farms water. Yes. Yeah, it's a desert planet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's, he's looking for some H two O seeds. It's a hydrangea <laughs> seed. <laughs> Chris, what do you have? Uh, I think I think he's looking for Luke. And points to Chris. Yes. Oh, he is. He's looking to Luke. So this is Obi-Wan's got the binoculars and looking yeah. out. Yep. And, yep. And, and Luke's Luke kind of is on the like other looking side. like he's pod racing or something, or pretending that he's pod racing. Yep. Exactly. Just like uh-huh. Tom. I thought that wasn't really like a hardcore Star Wars thing, but I guess maybe I was wrong. <laughs> it it isn't a hardcore Star Wars thing at all. I <laughs> didn't. I didn't know the answer. <laughs> Seeds for his farm. <laughs> Well, he was a farmer. So I knew, yeah. I knew it was a fight. I had no idea it was water. He was. <laughs> it's time for question two. Why does Obi Wan take a little bit of meat every day from work? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. All right, Nick. What do you have? I was trying to be a real Star Wars nerd and remember the name of the creature, but his animal that he rides to town to and from work tom uh he's he takes extra meat for that 
horse animal thing. It's not actually a horse, but it serves the same function. And Chris? Uh, he takes the meat so that he can feed his Eope, Nick. That's what it is, Eope. Good old Eope. Points for everybody. It's time for question three. What is the name of Leia's droid? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. I don't remember. Tom, what's your uh, best guess there? Um, Lola? He's right. It's Lola. It is indeed Lola. All right. Points for everybody again. <laughs> so Chris is flawless right now, though. This is the problem. Going into the final question, Chris is leading with six. Nick and Tom are right behind with five each. It's time for question four. What does Obi-Wan dig up in the desert? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. And just so you guys know, there's kind of two things I'm looking for. Ah, oh, crap. Tom, what do you have? Well, one is a lightsaber. The other is... Uh, I, I, I go with uh, some sort of robe, maybe? Well, it was in a box, so let's go with money. A lightsaber and money. All right. And Nick, what do you have? Lightsaber, for sure. And... Jedi garbs. And Chris? Uh, he's, I'm going to go with two lightsabers. One of them is his, and one of them is his best friend, Anakin's. And Chris takes the episode. Gosh. Yeah. I got crazy. thrown by the way you worded that. <laughs> so congratulations to Chris, our winner. We'll be diving into our topic of the week, the man, the myth, the legend, Ben Kenobi. We'll be back right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even <laughs> if I did print, where is it going to print to? 1982? I, I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible. Oh, we died. <laughs> 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 All right. The troll, the troll saw us and killed us. So I think we have to say the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Golem. Gollum. Say Gollum dark. You talk to Gollum. Thorin says, hurry up. And we died. And we died. So we went northeast last time. So let's go southwest. You go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, we're wow. ending it here. That's wait, wait. perfect. Oh, That's perfect. Limited Lexicon, coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. Uh, so, guys, today I want to talk about Ben Kenobi, the man, the myth, the legend. We've not seen him, I guess, for 10 years. This is before he becomes Alec Guinness. 
Uh, how did you guys feel about our reintroduction to one of the most famous Jedi in the galaxy? What I'll tell you is if I was a Jedi named Obi-Wan Kenobi and I had to hide, you know what I think would fool everyone if I changed my name to Old Ben Kenobi? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting character in the sense of the figure we see as the mentor is sort of pushed into the role of the the reluctant hero. You always have to cite Joseph Campbell when talking with any kind of seriousness about Star Wars. It's it's required by law. And having uh, Ben Kenobi or Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is like the legendary mentor figure, become this reluctant hero and also a hero who is a little over the hill. He's too old to be your traditional hero, as as is normally the case, is interesting. There's sort of a sense of out of place. He's out of place, both in the fact that he has to go through these adventures and employ force skills that he no longer has. Um, we're, we're led to believe in this episode that his he's not the man he used to be, he tells um he tells the, the the senator, Leia's adopted father, uh, that he doesn't have these kind of force skills anymore. Um, but he's also like just physically an older person. He isn't the the hot the hothead we'd see later in episode four with Luke, who's a little too eager to go after these adventures, or Anakin, who's a little too aggressive to go for these adventures. He is a person who should be retiring into midlife and he is prompted to do something more than that he's completely broken though too he's been stewing over this for 10 years he thinks anakin his mentee and friend was killed by his doing and he failed him again we can go back to the recap or the early you were the chosen one <laughs> you know like his whole purpose of living was destroyed let alone his order who was his family so this is the beginning of that journey, hopefully, you know, back to redemption. I mean, Star Wars is all about redemption stories, right? So it's, it's, it's just, I can make an assumption that this is where we're heading, but it is interesting to see him completely off his game at the beginning of this show. I know a lot of people had some criticisms of this series in, a, in, a, in its entirety. I don't think anybody can criticize this episode specifically. Uh, I think this is the best way of kind of showing how he has gone through the ebbs and flows that both Nick and Tom kind of talked about. Uh, if we reference the the sequel the sequel trilogy that shall not be named, we see a character who we are very that we is very beloved by people, and we don't know why he's acting the way he's acting. Like he's totally out of character. We see him in Return of the Jedi. He comes back in the sequel trilogy, and he's a completely different person. This TV show shows us a different a different obi-wan in the prequel trilogy and now we're seeing a different obi-wan in a new hope we're getting a little bit of the backstory as to why he feels that way how he feels like he has to protect himself how he has to protect luke and we're seeing him broken and we're seeing him kind of probably get on the track to rebuild himself but we're getting a little bit of explanation as to why and I know that KJ is giving me a look that I, I said something blasphemous about the sequel trilogy, but I do think that people don't like the Luke character in it because of it. And I think that people can now understand Obi-Wan more. And if they had done something similar to this with Luke in that sequel trilogy, I think people would have respected those movies a lot more than they ended up respecting them. 
I'm really glad you mentioned Obi-Wan in episode four and Obi-Wan in the prequel trilogy. Because in my head, my Obi-Wan is Alec Guinness. That, that's who I grew up with. And then the prequel trilogy was this other dude that didn't quite align. So he always felt like a shadow of Obi-Wan, like a, a, another guy. So when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is the Alec Guinness guy. He's doing the same thing he did in episode four where he was very hesitant to go. He really didn't want to go. Um, so it, it felt the same. But when I talked to the younger guys at work, they were kind of surprised. They were like, no, Obi-Wan's, you know, he's the prequel guy. He's everywhere. He's doing everything. Um, and it's an interesting comparison to, to Luke there, Chris. I guess um, I loved Luke in, in episode eight in The Last Jedi. Um, and I think I also think Star Wars works best when there's mystery there. You don't know the details. So I, I like that it, it kind of fit that way. When you're watching episode four and they bring up the Clone Wars, it was like, wow, what is that? I wonder what that is. And I liked that way better than knowing what it is. So that works. That works a lot better if it's not a Skywalker. <laughs> I'm. A, I am 100 yeah, percent okay with knowing nothing yeah. about the world except for the tagline. You were in the Clone Wars. Like brilliant, brilliant piece that you could then expand upon later. But when it is your main and when your main protagonist, and there's a like you've read with this guy for three movies of your childhood, and then you're he's dropped in your lap. Episode what was that? Episode eight, and he's a completely different, changed person. That's a little jarring. I think we've just seen the two extremes of the internet right here. <laughs> I did want to pick up on that idea of redemption. Who mentioned that? I think Nick, you mentioned that. Yes. Star Wars is all about redemption. It stories. is. And that's what the hero's journey, part of the hero's journey before the, the final confrontation or whatever the hell it's called is redemption. The hero has to endure redemption before becoming a hero and then before returning home that's another thing before you can go back to both your home and to yourself you have to be redeemed and what's interesting about bringing up both luke the elder the the, the sequel trilogy luke as well as this obi-wan is both people have sort of failed to be mentors they they failed in that role for the respective heroes be it um the I don't even remember the name of the the sequel villain, or the or Anakin in the the prequel trilogy, um, and the redemption story ends up being for these mentors for Luke who's able to kind of find his own redemption at the end of I think it's episode eight, and then um, Obi Wan who is beginning on this journey to to save Leia and there is a sort of uh, a search for redemption there. Um, and so it's interesting to pass that kind of redemption need, that part of the cycle off, not onto the hero, but onto the mentor. And it's, of course, in this series, the mentor is becoming the hero. He's stepping into a new role. What did you guys think of uh, Ewan McGregor in the role? I loved it. I think he's great. I It was perfectly hammy but not hammy like it, it just it walked all those lines i i really liked it yeah I, I was great to see him back on screen of like i said in my reflections from last week uh this is one of the most anticipated disney plus series for me i really enjoy the mandalorian i liked boba fett well enough this was the one that was like i'm getting back into star wars this is gonna this is gonna get the the creative juices flowing thinking of star wars canon things of that nature and it was because of him and I, it wasn't because of where we were going, like, because we went back to Tatooine, as we always do in a Star Wars story. 
but it was it was Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I it couldn't have been anybody else. And I'm so glad he came back to do it. Yeah, you couldn't have another actor play him. <laughs> he had to come back. I, I did like how they showed the the Inquisitor is in the bar kind of telling you how they can get Jedi to come out of hiding. And then you then yeah. see Obi-Wan for the first time at the meatpacking place and he's doing exactly the opposite of what the Inquisitor wants. Like he is so far removed from being a quote unquote typical Jedi that everything the Inquisitor just said is their their framework for capturing one is something that he's actively not doing which I think is, it really shows you in just one simple scene of him, you know, dissecting and packing away meat of a, a prehistoric water animal on a sand planet, <laughs> which is a, which is a whole other topic you can have a conversation about. That one scene seems like it's a throwaway, but it tells you so much about Obi-Wan and his headspace and what he is doing to protect himself and also to protect Luke and protect the future as he probably sees it. Yeah, that scene, and then when he's um, interacting with Tika, the Jawa, and he's perfectly okay with being stolen from and buying his parts back, right? He knows it, the Jawa knows it, everybody knows it. It really helps redefine or, or reinforce Obi-Wan's character so we remember who he is and how he is completely aware of what's going on, and in general, he's fine with it. Like, that's okay. Going back to what Chris was saying about that first time we're introduced to Obi-Wan, especially after that bar scene with the Inquisitors, He's stealing meat, and then there's someone who's getting berated, and he does nothing about it. So just to highlight what Chris is talking about, that's our first introduction to this is a changed Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, that really puts the Ben in Ben Kenobi. I, I did have another question. So, something I found kind of incoherent in the character, and maybe this is just me. He is determined to put aside his Jedi persona, and his Jedi practices. He buries his lightsaber, and I guess also Anakin's lightsaber, in the um, in the desert and what have you. Yet he's also determined to train Luke, to, to let Luke's training begin. I, I wasn't able to exactly follow how he expects to do that if he's divested himself of sort of Jedi energy, Jedi trappings, as well as literally divest himself of the lightsabers that presumably Luke would need to learn to use to be a Jedi. Um, and I found that a, a bit confusing. I also found that to be an inconsistency in this new character we're being introduced to. He was trying to throw it all away, but still leaving the door open to have him train. So I think I think it's twofold. I think he is mentally trying to tell himself that he is going to train Luke Skywalker to be the next Jedi. And I think he believes that. But I also think there's a part of him, his heart, that's not behind it either because of what happened the last time he trained somebody. So I think you're seeing a little internal conflict. I, I, I need to train Luke. I need to make the new Jedi. And inter But internally, Obi-Wan kind of knows I he wants to like it's he wants to do something he has a, a, an idea to train luke but his heart's not in it because of how the last trainee happened and i, I think the other thing is yeah you know, he's not going to train luke until luke shows powers so we want to try to hide everything having to do with jedi until that happens because until then luke is very very susceptible to being captured being found and even though even though obi-wan presumes that darth vader or, or that anakin is dead he still doesn't want anybody else finding him because he knows the Inquisitors are there. So I think it's a little bit of practicality. I think it's a little bit of that inner conflict. 
it even that even you mentioned the idea of, you know, I have to do something. I know I need to do something, but my heart's not in it because I failed the first time. Just a little background on that in Star Wars universe. In the period before this, they would take force sensitive kids to who knows where. So it wasn't just protecting the Skywalker. It was protecting anyone who was force sensitive. Yeah, the, the Empire was taking force sensitive kids to either become Inquisitors or, spoiler alert for the sequel trilogy, probably for the cloning experiments that show up in, in, those, in those films. So I read a few of the Darth Vader comics in anticipation of this. Are those the ones that, that are best kind of additional universe material for understanding the series there are multiple darth vader series so it depends which ones you saw so and 2017 I, off the top of my head i don't know out okay. of the out of the marvel comics the darth vader ones have been the most enjoyable to me and i do think that they have the best story arcs uh, i'm not sure exactly which ones you read though so it's it, that like nick said it's kind of hard to tell it was the it was the one uh, it takes place about a second after the end of episode one Episode four, you mean? Episode three, sorry, episode three. Oh, so right after he gets picked up by the Emperor. Yeah. I'll tell you who has found his way this episode, and that's Chris, who took it down in a flawless victory. Congratulations, Chris. Well done. Thank you very much, guys. You can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts, on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Could there be any other reason for Obi-Wan leaving Tatooine? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasSlayman15. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000-1000. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, reach out to the boys at Talking Studios on Twitter. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time when we continue our uncivilized journey with Obi-Wan Part 2. Ding, 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 ding.